0: text which was read earlier for you today came from the book of Matthew Matthew the 12th chapter and reading the 22nd through the 29th verse and I'll read it again so that we're all together on one accord with the scriptures hear the word of the Lord then a demon possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus and he healed him So that the mute man spoke and saw. All the crowds were amazed and were saying, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man casts out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And any city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I, by Beelzebub, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God... Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? Many of us grew up believing that the spirit world is not real. Or if it is real, that it does not interfere with our everyday lives. But the truth is, while some of the problems that we experience in life are physical, and some are even emotional, the vast majority, hear me, church, the vast majority of problems that you and I experience in our lives are, in fact, spiritual in nature. By spiritual, what I mean is that there is this intangible source of power that has the ability to impact our lives in ways that cannot easily be explained. The truth is, if I am walking and I stub my toe, I feel pain. And I can explain the pain because I stubbed my toe. If, If I have a friend who betrays me that I cared so much about, that's causing me to feel emotional heartbreak, I can explain that away. I can explain the sadness and I can explain the grief. But if I have a pain in my body, or if I'm grieved in my very soul, and I'm not able to explain why this feeling has come upon me, then my brothers and my sisters, what I'm submitting to you is that the source of your grief and your pain might just be spiritual. If the problem you experience is spiritual, then it means that something supernatural is working behind the scenes and is causing your issue. Spirits are supernatural beings. And demonic spirits have the ability to create havoc and tremendous chaos in our lives. And they are evil by all accounts. So today, I want to talk a little bit about spirits. We don't hear too much churches talking about spirits. They talk about everything else, how to get your best life and how to give more and get more. But not a lot of churches talk about spirits, which can be one of the major reasons why many people in the world are suffering. And so today, I want to talk about their existence. And I want you to have confidence in knowing, my brothers and sisters, that no matter how powerful. These spirits may appear, they are and always will be subordinate to the Spirit of God. And so today I've titled this the first of a two-part message, The Spirit of God. Here is the truth. Most American Christians do not believe that Satan or even demons or even, watch this, the Holy Spirit exists. Most um, Listen to what I said. Most American Christians do not believe that Satan, demons, or even the Holy Spirit exist. How do I know that to be true? Well, in 2009, Barna did a survey, and he found that four out of every 10 Christians, of every Christian strongly agreed that Satan is not a living being, but instead a symbol of evil. 40% of Christians believe that Satan is a symbol of evil and not a real being. Now, it goes on further to say that two out of 10 Christians, about 19%, said that they kind of agree somewhat with that perspective, which brings the number even higher than just 40%. So what I'm telling you is, what is a world to do when the very people who God has placed on this earth as Christians to bring the good news about what he has done for us don't even believe in spirits themselves? What is is the world to do then when Christians themselves don't even believe? Most Americans, I'm telling you, don't believe that the Holy Spirit exists. Yet the Bible, and Jesus in particular, took Satan and demons very, very seriously. Throughout the Old Testament... There is an awareness that the kingdom of evil is real and that it is always kind of lurking in the background, interfering with people's lives. Whether it was in the Garden of Eden or whether whether it was afflicting Job, as you all know about, whatever it is, somehow the Old Testament never lost sight of the fact that evil was real and that it was in the world. Satan and his messengers of evil have been harassing every human being since the creation of this world. Whether you believe it or not, what I'm telling you is that the Bible and Jesus takes them very seriously. Even so, in the New Testament, there are constant references to demons and to Satan's kingdom throughout the entirety of the Gospels, and as a matter of fact, if you read the the Gospel of Mark, almost one half of Jesus' ministry was tied up, casting out demons. If you read the book of Mark, all through the book of Mark, Jesus what's going around just casting demons out left, right, and center. So, my brothers and my sisters, let me state here, unequivocally and without hesitation, Satan is real. His demons are real. And if they were not real, then Christ's work on Calvary's cross was unnecessary. And we would be a people most worthy of being pitied and laughed at. Jesus did not die for any fake news about the world of the spirit. Jesus died for us. Now, now you may recall the time when the, Jesus sent out the 70 disciples and they came back rejoicing to Jesus to say, hey, Jesus, guess what? Even the demons tremble when we call upon your name. They they, they came back excited and Jesus in his own words said, listen, listen, listen. Jesus said these words, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus' words, not mine. Behold, Jesus says, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice that demons and spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So clearly, and as far as we can tell, Jesus and his disciples took Satan and his demons seriously. And while they were never afraid of evil spirits, they did acknowledge their existence, and they used the power of the Holy Spirit to fight them. And so should we. In this world, Satan has a powerful kingdom that every Christian has to deal with at every turn. And what you and I need to know is that we're living in the midst of this world that's filled with this satanic influence. And if we're going to exercise authority over it, then my brothers and sisters, you need to understand that first it is real and how it actually works. So before I do that, i got to tell you a little bit about power and authority. One of the greatest, greatest tricks that the devil has ever done is to let people believe that he does not exist. One of the greatest tricks is to let every one of us think that he ain't real. And you got to understand that the reason why he does this Is because he wants you to not know who you are. (laughs) In the supernatural world, my brothers and sisters, there are good angels and there are bad angels. But whether they were good angels, Jesse, or bad angels, guess what? None of them, the Bible says, was created in the image of God. Which means, as I've told you before, that there is something about you as a person, as a human being, that reflects something about God. And every creature, supernatural creature, good angels or bad angels, they don't have what you and I possess, which is to reflect the image of God the Father. That alone puts you in a completely different place. And most of us don't know what that even means. Let me be clear again. When Jesus died on that cross, Jesus never died for any angel, good or bad. He died for you. Which means there is a value that you bring to the kingdom of God. And if Satan can keep you from understanding who you are, and most importantly, whose you are, then he can keep you in the place that you have always been in. What a great day it will be when the saints of God open up their eyes, their spiritual eyes, and are able to appreciate the power that resides in you. The scriptures are clear. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the first thing you need to know is that for every person who's a Christian and a believer, you carry within you a power. The Bible tells us that we carry this treasure in earthen vessels in your body that the Holy Spirit dwells, and it gives you a power and an authority that whether or not you believe it doesn't change the fact that you have it. And that, to me, is good news. I'll give you a good illustration. Charles Craft, in a book called Behind Enemy Lines, talks about a friend of his who knew this lady that was involved in occult activity. But when she was in the occult, what happened was she had the Ability to see the spiritual power of other people. Let me see if I can make this real for you. You ever, you ever been in a situation where you see somebody? You don't know them, but there's just something about them that you just don't like. Is, is it just me or that happened to anybody in here? You don't know them, you never talk to them, but you can't quite put your finger on it, but I just don't like them. On the other hand, there are some people that you don't really know. You don't know them. But something about them is just so attractive to your spirit. I just like you and I don't know why I like you. What do you think that is? What I'm telling you is that every single one of you who can agree that either of these things has ever happened to you, I'm telling you that you have a spiritual power. You may not know how to use it. But it doesn't change the fact that you got it. Now, now the lady, when she says she was part of the occult, she had the power to see or the ability to see the spiritual power of other people. And she said that she used to see she would know Christians. But she said whenever they were doing their hooky, spooky, hocus-pocus stuff, whenever Christians came around, their stuff wouldn't work as well. So these people would try to avoid Christians. Let me see if I can give you another example. You ever walked into a room, and when you walk into the room, (laughs) people just start acting crazy? Or or better yet, not only do people start acting crazy, but when you walk into a room, people just leave. They can't stay. Now, you didn't say anything. You didn't do anything. But people just like, I got to go. And they leave. Why do you think that is? Simply because, as Christians, you bring a presence. And when that presence come in, anything that is not of God feels uncomfortable. See? So what these people would do is every time Christians would come around, they would want to get rid of them. Now, they didn't really try to bother them too much because they knew the power that they had. The problem was Christians didn't know the power that they have. Listen, my brothers and sisters, let me be very clear to you. I'm just out here now. I might as well stay for a little bit. I go to Home Depot, Staples. I got on my hoodie, my jeans, sometimes shorts and Crocs. Got my hat turned to the back. I'm just regular. I'm telling you the truth. I'm just regular, and I walk with my swag because I'm just going to buy some stuff. And out of nowhere, people would just come to me and say, excuse me, are you a pastor? (laughs) And I'm like, what gave it away? Was it the hat to the back? What was it? The point I'm making is that people have the ability to see the spiritual authority that other people carry, and so do you. The challenge is, do you know that you even have it? And do you know how to even use it? Because a lot of things that's happening to you in your lives, you don't have to stand for it. You don't have to take it. So the point that I'm making is the first thing that Satan wants to do is not only to trick you into thinking that he doesn't exist, but he also doesn't want you to know who you are. It's one thing. If you find out that he hides from you the reality of God, it's a completely different thing when you wake up to who you are. And that is the great failure of the church because we're talking about everything else. But how people need to be empowered to get stronger in their faith. That way they can go out and actually change the world. Jesus changed the world with 12 disciples. Why? 12 ragamuffins that he used to change the world. Why? Because he gave them a power that was well beyond themselves. The Bible tells us that when Peter would walk, even his shadow would cause the dead to raise. So I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has now changed. And the Bible says that when he rose again from the grave and he sits at the right hand of God the Father, all authority he has given to you. That's what the Bible tells me. So every now and then a little demon, a little imp, comes around and tries to mess up my equilibrium. I got to remember, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the word. you got to know how to use the word of God. Sometimes you're in trouble. Sometimes you've got problems and you got to say, wait a second, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. you got to know how to use the word when you're feeling lonely and you're struggling. you got to remember, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, but you can't bring out what you don't have inside of you. Even my daughter, when she's telling me that she's scared at night sometimes i said just start saying the 23rd psalm i don't know about you but i've been in those situations where i've been in bed at night and i'm awake but i can't talk and i'm like i can't move has that ever happened to any of- am i talking to myself i'm like what is this and the only thing i start doing is just trying to say jesus Jesus, why? Because your spiritual wickedness in high places. And when you have a purpose in God, when God has something important for you to do, all of Satan's demons come after you with a fury that you need to be able to stand and to see the salvation of the Lord. You need to know how to use your shield of faith, your breastplate of righteousness, your helmet of salvation, your feet shot, and you gotta pull out the sword of the spirit. you got to know the weapons of your warfare and even if you're weak, get a few people to pray with you. Get a couple people to surround you and pray. I was so blessed. I was so blessed the other day when Arlene came back from London and told me that she went to see her grandmother. I don't know her grandmother. I never met her grandmother. But she walked into her grandmother's house. She's right there. If I'm lying, I'm flying she walked into her grandmother's house and right on her grandmother's mantle is a big old picture of me. (laughs) Because she listened to the sermons online. Why am I telling you this? Because she says she prays for her pastor. I ain't never met her. So something about prayer... And even today when you see us praying over everyone and all the prayers, I'm not saying idle words because it sounds good and I want you to feel good. I want you to know I'm engaged in warfare. And I'm using the word of God, the sword of the spirit, to come upon anything that's interfering with the children of God. That's my job as the pastor, to make intercession on behalf of all of you. When you can't pray, I can. When you are struggling, I will be standing there. And when the saints of God surround all the other saints, believe me, Satan has no idea what to do. So Satan tries to hide. He don't want you to know about God and he don't want you to know about you. So the second thing that Satan does now is that he now don't want you to know that demons are real. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about what demons are. And again, like I said, today is just the first part. Next week, you got to come back for part two. This is just the introduction. The Bible tells us that demons are fallen evil spirits. And when you read the text in Ephesians, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, meaning each other, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me make this clear for you. Let me make this clear to you. You have a problem with a person who you can't get along with for whatever reason. They may have hurt you. They may have harmed you. They, whatever the, You may have hurt them or you may have harmed them. Whatever the issue is, what I'm telling you is that your fight is not with them. Your fight is with something that's causing it. Listen, you don't need nothing more than Satan to just come and to just put a little bit of doubt. You ever ever had this experience? And again, I'm trying to make this clear. You ever had this experience where you don't, again, like I said, nobody bothered you. You just mind your own business. And all Satan did was just say, you don't like her here. Who she thinks she is? Walking in the church like that. Now, poor sister so-and-so ain't bother you. But all the devil needs to do is just whisper something in your ears that you just start to listen to and believe. And all of a sudden, you just have a problem with this person just because their hair looks different. I'm telling you that Satan and his demons, these little demons, these little demons, they're all over the place. Satan does not have the characteristics or the quality of God. The Bible tells us that God is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere. God is omniscient, meaning he has all power. God is immutable, which means he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the truth of the matter is, Satan is none of these things. So if Satan is not omnipresent, it means that he can't be everywhere at the same time. But what he does have is a whole bunch of little demons that he sends all over the place to harass you every Single moment of every single day. These are the little imps. They just come and they just nang nang in your ears, and you listen to them because they sound a lot like you. And sometimes you don't even know where the voice is coming from, but there it is. Now, here's the thing: these beings they are disruptive in our daily lives, and I'm gonna wrap up shortly. They don't have any power like you and I have. But what they do have is they seem, notice I said, seem to have authority. They seem to have authority. That word authority is about territory. Let me tell you something. The scriptures before we read it, that we read, Jesus said this, watch. If I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is here, which means supernatural stuff is real. But he goes on to say, how, or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds a strong man and then he will plunder his house? What I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, is that in you as a person, God has given you this body to do his will. And somehow, what you and I have done is we have given Satan and his demons the right to run havoc in our lives. Yeah. So the question becomes, how did they, how do they, how did they do that? Well, the demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him so that the mute man spoke and saw. Without going too far in the analysis of this text, which I will do next week, you want to see a few things. Number one, the man was demon-possessed, which means demons are real. Two, the demon had the man physically bound that he could neither speak nor see. The man was brought to Jesus. Number four, Jesus healed the man, and now the man could both see and speak. That is essentially what happened. But what does it mean to be demon-possessed pastor? Where are you going with all of this? Well, you need to understand how spirits enter. You need to understand how we know if we have them, and you need to know how to get rid of them. Those are the three things I'm going to be talking about. Today, I'm only going to talk about how they enter. Next week, I'll tell you how you know when you got them and how you get rid of them. So today, we're going to talk about how they get in. In order for spirits to live in a person, church, listen, man. The devil don't want this message out. But you're here for a reason. In order for spirits to enter in, two conditions have to be met. Two. The first is that they have to find an entry point. If you want to come into this church, you've got to find an entry point, a doorway. The front door is open. The side door is open. And if Sister Doraine locked these doors, you might find a way to come in through the basement door. And if that don't work, guess what? You just might find a window. In other words, to get into the sanctuary of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the demons have to find an entry point. That's the first thing. This entry point, we're going to talk a little bit about more. But when they enter in, they've got to have the second condition, which is legal right to be there. They've got to get an entry point, and then they have to have a legal right to stay there. So when both these conditions are met, how do they get an entry point is the first question. And what are these entry points? The first entry point comes, my brothers and sisters, by invitation. This is where you say, come on in. The weather is fine. When people participate in things like palm reading, tarot card reading, Ouija board stuff, horoscopes. All of these things become what we call entryway. What's true for the demonic spirit world is true for the regular church world. Whenever someone gives their life to the Lord, what do we do? They come to the altar. What do I say? Lift your hands and repeat after me. Dear Lord, I am a sinner. But you died for sinners just like me. Come into my heart and be Lord of my life. What are you doing? By invitation, you're inviting the Holy Spirit. The same thing is true that people not only can invite good spirits, but some people invite evil spirits. People who practice Satanism and all of these things, what they have done is they have invited through their own will and they've created an entry point. Y'all didn't know that y'all did that, right? When you looked at your horoscopes that you were creating, entry points. There is the conscious invitation where you, 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 you literally say, come on in. And there is the unconscious invitation where you literally participate in things that you got no business participating in. Now, when you participate in these things, you have now given every demonic spirit in the world a legal right to be there. I ain't trying to spook you all out, but I cast out demons. I've done it. Got it? Let's be clear. And every time I go to cast out demons out of a person, I I ask them a couple of questions. I want to know your name. I got to ask your name because I can't cast you out if I don't know your name. And what you need to understand, my brothers and my sisters, is that when you call somebody by their name, it's a way of taking authority. Oh, yes. Believe it. So when I call a demon by its name, I ask it, what legal right do you have to be here? And they are always liars. They'll never tell you the truth. They'll never tell you that I got in because such and such person did this or that. They'll never tell you. But when you find the legal ground, you break it up, call them by their name, cast them to the place that Jesus sends them, to the pit of hell, and they are gone. And they travel in packs. Brothers and sisters, (laughs) ho, ho. Trust me, you need to know what's going on. But not to belabor the point. The second thing is by someone in authority. First, you invite them in yourself. But the second is by someone in authority. Now, here's how this one gets really, really hard for some of you to hear. Someone in authority could be your mother or your father, your uncle or your aunt. Someone in authority who as when you were a child growing up, told you that you were a good for nothing. That you'll never amount to anything. That you're a good-for-nothing like your father or your mother. Things that harm when someone speaks over you, they have opened up a doorway, an entry point that allows demonic spirits. Because what? You grow up thinking that, you know what? No matter how hard I try, I'm a good-for-nothing. I'll never amount to anything. And you walk around feeling this sense of low self-esteem that I'm not pretty enough. My dad says, I'm not good looking enough. I'm not tall enough. And you walk around with this low self esteem that allows demons to walk around and tell you, See, you ain't got no business being the church considering how you look and how you act. Look what you did last night. Look at you now. What I'm telling you is that these entryways allow demons to come in and to just run havoc in your life. Is this making sense to any of you? Third, by inheritance. We know this more to be what? Generational curses. Something happened in your family history. And the thing that makes this more hard for African-American people most than anything else is that as the, as, as the children and generation of former slaves, we have no idea sometimes who our foreparents were. When they stole our identity on the slave ships, they stole more than just your identity. They stole your spirit. And so by inheritance, generation after generation, you know how we in the church, black folks, you know how we do sometimes, you say, well, that's just Uncle Bob. That's just how he is. Meanwhile, alcoholism, sexual promiscuity, all of these things, if your mother or your father did it, it somehow seems like you are doomed to do the same thing. What I'm telling you is that by inheritance, you have picked up something of a demonic spirit. I'll give you a quick story and we get ready to close. Quick story. You gotta come back next week. (laughs) I counseled a a couple once. Marital counseling. I think I may have told this story before. And I had these two people that want to get married. And she the, the, the the woman was scared to have a child. So I did what's called a genogram where I went back and looked at the history of her family as much as they could tell me. And what I noticed the pattern was every third generation of her family, there was a miscarriage. And she was next in line. So I asked this question. I said, and this was in a counseling, marital counseling session. I said to her, is there anything that you have in your house that you may have gotten from somewhere? Now, she had this little statue that they were given from, that she was given from her mother who got from her grandmother, who got from her mother before her. And she had this little thing in the house. And I said to her, well, you need to get rid of it. So she threw it away. Today, I can tell you, they got two wonderful children. Now, I can tell you that this stuff is real. We have stuff in our house that we have no business keeping in our house. You don't know what demons will find any doorway or entryway. Be careful of what people give you. You hear what I'm saying? Be careful of what people come and say, I, I, I brought this for you to eat. People you're not even sure you know. What I'm telling you is that Satan will use whatever to get in. The last one is by cursing. Curses are usually hateful words that people speak over you no matter what it is. Now, most of us know this more popularly by by voodoo. You know, the voodoo dolls, and in Jamaica, they talk about obia, right? All of these things people do, which is bringing on all kinds of curses. Now, what you need to know, and I'm telling you this, because I want you to have knowledge and power and understanding. Cursing, eh, it's kind of like the lowest way of demons getting in. Why? Because it, it works best with everything else. In other words, remember I told you when a parent would say to a child, you know, you're good for nothing like your father or your mother, imagine if they already had an inherited curse. And then you talk on top of that. Now you've exacerbated it and you've made it even worse. So cursing is one of those things where it's not such a big deal, it's not the worst. Uh, I love in the book of Proverbs, the um, 26th chapter and the second verse, it says this, As the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. What that means is, unless it has something to hook into, unless you've given it invitation or permission, curses cannot do anything. It's like a bird fluttering around, but can't find a place to land. So what I'm saying is sometimes the curses and the problems that we're having in our lives is because we have made it possible that Satan and his demons, who've got no power, no authority, has now legal right to take up residence. Now, now as I wrap this up, the age-old question, can demons enter Christians? Right? Everybody wants to know that. Can I be demon-possessed if I'm a believer and if I'm a Christian? Well, let's think about that. Judas Iscariot walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, spent time with Jesus, believed in Jesus, hung around Jesus. But it tells us in John the 13th chapter and the 27th verse, it says, as soon as Judas, the night of the communion, took the bread, Satan entered him. Now, now, hear me clearly. The way demons indwell believers and Christians is not the way the Holy Spirit indwells believers. See? Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. What happens is, it's like you own your house. Your family lives in the house, but you get a squatter. A squatter. Someone who you, you say, you know what, you can stay. Listen, you can stay with me for a little while because you're down on your luck. But you can stay in this room until you get back on your feet. But after a while, they start thinking the bathroom is theirs. And you're trying to get them to leave, but they won't leave because now they want to be in the master bedroom. A squatter. Now you've got to find a way to get them out. And that's how demons work. So my brothers and my sisters, here is my point. I want you to understand that the only way spirits enter in is if you let them by invitation. If someone in authority has spoken over you in some way and you believe the lie that they've told you, if by inheritance through your generations coming down the line, something just needs to be broken or even by cursing. These are the ways that they get in. But do not forget what I told you in the beginning. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you are created in the imago Dei in the image of Almighty God, which means that you have a power and a spiritual authority that you need to learn and to know how to use. It's why the church is here every Sunday, preaching the word of God, so that we can pour more of God's word in you. It's why we have Bible study, so that we can put more of God's word that's in you, because the stronger you are in the knowledge and the faith of God, is the less likely that demons can interfere with you. That is the good news. That is the gospel. That is what we do here. And so next week I invite you to come back so we talk about how you know if you got one, but more importantly, how you get rid of them. And all of this is in our text. Because they said what? They brought the demon-possessed man to Jesus. And the text said, Reverend Brown, the text said and the man was mute and blind. And Jesus healed him. And after Jesus healed him, what could he do? He could speak, Sister English, and he could see. So what I'm telling you is that Jesus is the answer to every spiritual problem you could ever consider or think if you're not even sure how things are going on in your life. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by him. So I invite you all to stand at this time. If you are here, and I know this is kind of like a spooky little message, not what you were expecting, but sometimes you need to hear the truth. And the truth is what will set you free. Most of us, we can't sleep at night because we're being tormented. Things going on in our lives that's causing us to be disturbed in our spirits. And I'm telling you that this church, as far as we're concerned, enough is enough. Enough is enough. We are fighting a spiritual war and a spiritual battle, but we need some soldiers on the front line. So if you are here today, and you're kind of knowing that the Holy Spirit is nudging you and saying, you need to have a closer walk with me, then we offer you today the opportunity to invite the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart for yourself. This is the first and most important thing you can do in becoming more spiritually aware so that you can fight the good fight of faith. If that is you and you are here, and you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart for yourself, this is the day. salvation do not let this day go by without making sure that you are armed for the battle for you are already built for it